Good morning and hello. Welcome to the NK News podcast. This one is completely unscripted and on the fly here on Monday, April 15th. Any any special significance to that day? Happy day of the sun. Some sort of Sunday. Uh, well, that was yesterday, Sunday, wasn't it? But yeah, this is the day of the sun. So uh, hello to Oliver Hotham and Collins Worker. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Good morning. We, uh, we did invite uh, Dagyom Ji and also Minyong Lee to uh, join us on the podcast, but uh, they had some other things to take care of. So sadly, you get a completely uh, manal, manalized podcast uh, dominated by three white men. So we realize the, uh, the limitations of that. Uh, it's actually almost like a miniature repeat of what was the conference they had last week that was all manals? Was it Kinu? No, it wasn't Kinu. It was someone was like that. Was it Asa? Yeah, it, was, um, it was something. It was Asa. Not only were they all men, they were all um, oddly in agreement with each other about the benefits of uh, of the Moon government's policies. So, uh, so we, yeah, a, a, a call for diversity here yeah. from uh, from three white men on this podcast. Yeah. I uh, just got back from uh, a trip to North Korea last week, Thursday. I was there for a week uh, for the occasion of the uh, m- uh, marathon that they run early April. And uh, lots went on while I was here, and also in the few days afterwards. So we have a heap of things to catch up on. Uh, what was the big thing that happened uh, for you, Colin, while I was away? What was the story you were monitoring? Over the last weekend, there's uh, more Russian parliamentary groups going into North Korea. There was a regional group from the Amur region, which is in the Far East. Amur um, is just across the bay from Vladivostok, I believe. Yeah, Indeed. Right. It doesn't... Uh, border North Korea, but yeah, it's right up there. And uh, they were in there last week, and then just as they left, there was another group from the State Duma that went in on Friday, and they're in there right now. So that follows up uh, meetings from the upper house of the Russian parliament last month, and it just goes to show that they are continuing to strengthen ties and trying to figure out what to do about the laborers, uh, uh-huh. which have to leave Russia at the end of this year. How many are there at the moment? Do we have any idea, ballpark? Uh, I do not remember an exact number at this moment. But Talking hundreds, thousands? I think it's upwards of about 20,000. 20, Get out. That's, okay, yeah, that's a lot more than that. Right. Yeah, so they're trying to figure out what, what they have to do about this because Russia wants to comply with the sanctions, and uh, I'm sure they'll figure out some workaround. And they've also got uh, economic projects that they want to work, and they keep on pressing that they're working on things that comply with sanctions. Hmm. So they want to boost economic relations and cooperation and still comply with sanctions. And who knows how they're going to actually do this. But, yeah. That, that's always the big ask, isn't it? Uh, do we have any signs of, uh, of higher-level Russia-North Korea ties yet? I mean, uh, any signs of uh, Putin visiting Pyongyang or Kim Jong-un making a visit to Moscow or Vladivostok? Well, here's the thing. I mean, all of this stuff, obviously, this lower level mm. talk of cooperation is obviously also linked to the potential for a summit uh, between Putin and Kim. It's um, been rumored for some time, isn't it? It's been rumored for some time, but I think we can safely say the momentum is building a little bit. Um, we had the Russian interior minister went to Pyongyang um, two weeks ago, mm. I think it was, um, and he discussed um, helping the North Koreans with security for large-scale events, which is a little bit odd, um, Mm. saying we have a lot of experience in policing from hosting the World Cup. Um, We can help you with that. But, of course, the underlying message there is that they're also there to talk about a potential summit. I think it would certainly be Kim Jong-un going to Russia. At least that's what the Russians have been saying. Especially with Kim Jong-un, his chief secretary, Kim Jong-un's chief secretary, going Mm -hmm. to Moscow last, I think it was last month, right, in March. and. I think, I, I think that's a pretty big sign that there's they're at least working something. We can't say on timeline yet, of mm. course, and the Russians refuse to say on timeline. But they say the invitation is out there, and 
We can expect it probably sometime in the next couple of months. Do you imagine that he would uh, make that journey by train again, as he did down to uh, to Vietnam? It's a long, longer well, way to go, isn't it? He might, he might not even go all the way to Moscow. What was it? Kim Jong Il went to. Uh, it was Udan, What is it? It was this little um, village in Vladivostok or mm-hmm. near Vladivostok. Um, as far as I understand, part of the reason why they did it there was because the first time that Kim Jong Il went to Russia, he went to Moscow. Yeah. And his train caused so many disruptions ah. to the local public transport right. that the Russians didn't want to didn't want a repetition of that. Yeah. Like it um, doesn't cause those uh, disruptions yeah. in China. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, but China has less of a problem with that. Um, I guess so. At the time, there was a lot of negative press coverage of the visit. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of locals complaining. A lot of local politicians complained about people were late for work uh, because they had to just close miles and miles and miles of train. Right. And the Russians thought, well, if we do it somewhere where there aren't that many people, like. Um, Far East, the Far East, East uh, then yeah. then we won't have those issues. So, you know, but then again, Kim Jong Un, he likes uh, he likes the big show. He likes the long train journeys, as we saw with Hanoi. He likes sort of um, gliding into town with a big fanfare. So maybe he will go to Moscow, but we'll have to see. You know, what about the uh, Supreme People's Assembly, which happened, I think, either the day that I left North Korea or the day after I left? Yeah. So they had a two-day meeting of the Supreme People's Assembly on Thursday and Friday. Um, Right afterwards, after two major ruling party meetings as well, which is quite um, typical. Right. Um, so what was the, the, the titles of the various meetings that we had? On Tuesday, mm. we had a meeting, an enlarged meeting of the Politburo. Uh-huh. Then on Wednesday, we had a plenary meeting of the Workers' Party Central Committee. Okay. Now, it's quite usual for there to be a, a big party meeting before the SPA sits, yep. um, kind of so the ruling party can decide what's going to be talked about at the SPA. Um, but to have two was quite unconventional. And for us, kind of hinted that we were going to see big shifts mm. in uh, the top leadership at the SPA. And obviously, we saw that. Um, on Friday, it was confirmed that Kim Jong-nam, mm. um, long-standing often described as North Korea's titular head of state. Right, he's over 90 years old. He's 91 years old and he has now stepped down. Um, is he, uh, I don't, I'm not asking for an exact answer here, but is he more or less the, the last surviving member of the Kim Il-sung era? Yeah, know? essentially. I mean, we had uh, Fyodor Tititsky wrote a very insightful piece kind of looking back at his life and career. Um, mm. And Fyodor pointed out that Kim Jong-nam um, even made it through the 1960s was quite remarkable given that he was someone who was born in China, ah, educated yeah. in Russia, wow. educated in Russia during de-Stalinization. So he would have been a prime candidate for a purging. For a purge, yeah, when they had all that, that factional warfare. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he made it through that and he survived the 70s, 80s, 90s, all of that turmoil. Um, and probably, I think, safe to say the most um, long-standing um, member of the North Korean elite, 21 years mm. as president of the presidium of the supreme people's assembly now, is that because he's a great player he's an artful dodger so to speak or is it because he's um more or less harmless and uh, you know uh, no danger to anybody yeah i think what helped him stay around for so long was that he really managed to stay out of the dirty the dirty stuff he managed to keep his hands relatively clean mm. um he always worked as something of a diplomat for the north korean government he did a lot of overseas travel and i think those right. diplomatic skills that he had likely helped him also navigate the the murky world of North Korean politics as well. Mm. And then speaking of murky world, yes. he's been replaced by Cher Young hae who is much less, I suppose, has a much worse reputation. He's seen as much more of a kind of cynical Machiavellian character. Um, he's, uh, we've seen him rise and fall a couple yeah. of times over the last years, right? Like, uh, Help me remember here, was he one of the three men who came to Incheon for the closing of the 
Asia Games a couple of years ago. He was, and then closely and then he, after that, mm. he was reported to have been purged right. and fallen out of favour. Um, but then in the last two or so years, he's really just seen his star completely rise. And now it's safe to say he's definitely the second most powerful man in the country. And he was sometimes military. Uh, he, sometimes you'd see him in a military uniform. Sometimes you'd see him in civilian clothes. It wasn't clear. He didn't. I don't think he actually served. No. Had a military background, but he was one of those guys who was appointed to an officer, yeah. level, you know, level rank. Uh, and now, as you say, he's the number two man of the country. Now, he's individually targeted by some sanctions, isn't he? He is. He's Are under, they UN or US? He's under US sanctions for human rights violations. Um, as far as I understand, this hasn't been officially confirmed, but then these things usually aren't. He's director of the OGD. Is under That's the, uh, the organization, organization and guidance yeah. department for those at home. Um, and under in that capacity, he's under uh, sanctions, but then I think most of the North Korean elites are as well. Would he still be in that position at the OGD now, uh, or would he have had to lay that aside? Do we have any indication that he has or hasn't? There's no suggestion that he has, but I think it's likely that um, with all of his new titles, he's probably going to relinquish that position. Now, speaking of new titles, when I left to go to North Korea, there was talk that, or there was hints that uh, Kim Jong-un himself might be given a new title. And I I did ask some of my guides about this uh, in North Korea, whether they had any inklings, and I couldn't get any helpful information out of them, unfortunately, although they were aware of the meetings. Uh, and they also raised the uh, the question mark of, well, you know, can we have a, a living president while we also have an yeah. internal president? So uh, what actually happened? Does Kim Jong-un have any new titles? Not strictly. I mean, he's, his main title is still chairman of the State Affairs Commission. He was given a sort of new... Um, I guess, title by Che Young hae referred to him as um, leader of all the Korean people. Mm-hmm. All. Supreme or like Supreme representative, representative of all the... Of, of all of the all Korean the people. people. I'm not sure insofar as that's an actual title or just a kind of new way to refer to him. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a new title. He, um, you know, all these reports about Kim Jong-un cementing his power or consolidating mm. his power, I think a little bit overstated perhaps as though Kim Jong-un Kids. is... <laughs> although Kim Jong-un <laughs> has any is in a position where he needs to gather more, any more power in North Korea. Of course, he's, right, he's pretty leader. well settled there, isn't um, he? It's not as though um, his his supreme power is in any doubt, as no. I'm sure you heard from your North Korean counterparts as well. Well, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and that was interesting there for, for me was going back for the first time in two years was uh, the difference in some of the, uh, the messaging or the signaling, or at least I should say the de-emphasizing. I know that two years ago, um, still a, a lot of talk was there about sanctions and the United States and President Trump and uh, what we need is a peace treaty. And this time, uh, apart from you know the, the little speeches that we would get when we visited a place like, mm. for example, the War Museum or, or um, uh, the revolutionary sites, there really was very little talk about President Trump, the United States or a treaty or summits. Um, it was all you know kind of not mentioned so much. It wasn't part of the uh, of the open uh, the open uh, messaging that they would you know send out to tourists who go there. You didn't messaging just uh, self reliance and our economy. And- yeah, it was it was you know a great achievements by uh, the Korean people and and, and by the, the the glorious leadership of Kim Jong Un. Mm. Um, I think I remember thinking that the most uh, strongly anti American thing that I heard was when we were taken to the Kim Jong Suk Middle School up in Pyongsong mm. on one of the last days. That's about an hour's drive north northwest of, uh, of Pyongyang. That's a bumpy road. It is a bumpy road. Which roads in, in North mm-hmm. Korea are not, right? Uh, and that's a school where uh, the elites who are going to be the nation's future scientists and mathematicians are uh, being trained, right? So they, they take us into an English class. Uh, these kids all have um, 
some very good English and some of them have some scripted remarks, right? Yeah. So I asked one young man, uh, he was like he's 14, 15 years old, what would you like to become you know, after, you know, when, you, when you graduate? And he said, I want to become a mathematician to work for the defense of the country, to protect our country against the Americans and the Japanese because the Americans and Japanese are bad people. Uh, and, and it all came out you know, more or less like that. So he, he clearly thought this through and, and said this before. Um, and, you know, uh, we, when, I, when I asked him other questions that were seemingly innocuous, and it ended up with, uh, with praise for the great leader, Kim Jong-un. So um, there were still those yeah. you know, bits of pre-prepared uh, mm. prose. Uh, but apart from, you know, apart from that, from our guides, we had really little talk. In fact, one, one time I was having a discussion with my guides uh, just over coffee when the other tourists were off doing a water park thing, the, uh, what's that one, the, the Mansude? The Mansude water park, water yeah. park. And so we were in the coffee shop, and uh, one of my guides asked me, um, the, the Hanoi summit, uh, what happened there? Because, you know, they, um, they knew that there'd been a summit, they knew that there'd been meetings, but they didn't really know the contents or any kind of an outcome. And I, I basically told her... Uh, you know, a little summary of how we saw it from our side that, uh, you know, there was, it was a failure and that there was uh, great disappointment. And, you know, so I, I don't know what kind of messaging they're getting in their inner track stuff, but they weren't reflecting much back to us. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that really emerged uh, at the SPA was Kim Jong-un really went into detail about the summit on, uh, on Friday. He talked ah. about how, um, you know, kind of... Echoing what Chase Hanhee had already said about, you know, we had these expectations and the Americans demanded too much. Um, but then he also said, I'm open to a third summit mm. as long as, um, you know, we're the both attitude on... attitude is right. As long as the attitude is right, which yeah. uh, Trump echoed on Saturday as well in a tweet. He said, um, as long as our perspectives are the same or something. Okay, so they're still leaving that one very much open. Yeah, I think there's very much a chance that we'll get another summit this mm. year. Um, yeah, perhaps. Uh, I'd also heard from other people that since the Singapore summit last year that... Uh, that they'd been downplaying the anti-American propaganda thing. For example, the Shinchon Massacre Museum mm. is now well and truly off the uh, the tourist itinerary. Really? They don't take people there anymore. Uh, also, the uh, the old posters and slogans, the anti-American stuff, couldn't see that. Um, you didn't see any rocket-based stuff? Off a oh, well, we did, for example, at the Kim Jong-suk school, see some rocket-based uh, you know, uh, posters about mm. scientific achievements. And, uh, and I asked, in fact... Um, our lady guide, who, who was the chief English teacher at that school, you know, what the children were taught about nuclear weapons. And she said that it's uh, uh, it's for self-defense, and that's what we teach the kids. Yeah, separated off the anti-Americanism with the pro-nuclear Right, they, they, so they, I think they the, still boast that. And I had to look really hard to find uh, one brochure still left for sale um, of the Shinchon Massacre Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was at the... Uh, International Friendship Exhibition Center in the uh, Myohyang Sun Mountains, uh, and I'd show it to you. But sadly, I lost everything. Um, I had coming back from Pyongyang. It's it's one of those things you like to be able to say. I woke up in Pyongyang. I went to bed in Seoul. Yeah. yeah. But there's a whole lot of stuff in between, and the stuff in between was uh, was, was quite painful. Uh, at Pyongyang Airport, I went through uh, uh, a lot more questioning on the way out. Through uh, what kind of questioning? Uh, well, it was about like. Uh, uh, what was my job and, and where did I work and uh, where did I learn Korean and what kind of company was, was I working at? And, you know, I, I didn't tell them that I worked for NK News because you know, this is uh, this is not my main gig. Yeah. Uh, that was on your way out of Pyongyang? On my way out of Pyongyang. Not, not on your way in? Not my way in, no. And then did they the, scan any fingerprints or your face or anything like that? Um, I'm sure they got photographs, but uh, they didn't, you know, obviously. They take didn't do you, the whole, no. take a picture, put your Is that something that happens? No, I just, uh, they've talked about installing facial recognition ah. 
uh, software there. Or yeah, well, I'm sure I wouldn't know about that if it, if it was there, right? And then once I finally got through Passport, uh, then I, I went through uh, inspection of hand luggage, which was the last step on the way to, mm. to, to getting airside. And uh, and they really took a lot of, you know, almost everything out of my hand luggage and said, let's have a look at that. And, you know, um, I had a bag full of uh, uh, extra batteries and recharges and uh, an audio recorder. I would, I'd been hoping to make a, a recording with... Uh, Simon Cockrell of Cordial Tours mm. there, uh, but just couldn't find the time. And so that they took the audio recorder over to a corner with my phone and brought me over there. And uh, a man went through my SD card from the audio recorder and another person went through my phone to look at the photographs, which I hadn't seen anyone go through that kind of treatment. Wow. Yeah, that's haven't heard about that recently. People right. Going through photos. And I even had a little bit of video on my phone from the uh, Trump, no, sorry, the Moon Kim summit of mm. last year. So when they were hugging each other from South Korean team, I had that on my phone. and I'd forgotten about it even being there. But the man was looking at that and you know, sort of quickly scrolled by that and went on to the other photographs. And then I guess maybe a minute in, uh, the, the man who was sitting, I guess he was more senior, said, okay, we're done. Uh, you can go through. Uh, but yeah. I was, you know... Uh, a little bit nervous. Yeah. A little bit edgy. It's, no, it is nerve-wracking because you never know what you might have on your phone that you might have forgotten about or what, you know, they might go through your deleted videos or... And, and we know from, yeah. from other people's experiences that if they do decide to hold you there, it's often you don't find out about it until the airport. Yeah. Right? Right. But that's the point at which someone says, we're going to take you aside into a room and that's the last you'll see of your uh, of your tour group. No, there's a moment of elation, certainly, when the yeah. plane takes off. And Absolutely. And then you land in China and think, oh, I'm in the land of, yeah. the, you know, they're relatively free now. So I landed in China, went across to the next terminal to check in for my return flight to Seoul, only to be told that that ticket had been cancelled. Not the flight, but my ticket, only my ticket back to Seoul had been cancelled. And I couldn't get out of them uh, when, where, how, or by whom. Uh, you know, the ASEANA staff there told me, as far as we know, it was done by your ticketing agent back in, you know, wherever you boarded which was here in Seoul. So uh, I called my wife on WeChat. I didn't have a phone with me. I was very careful. I only had mm. a, a device with WeChat. So I had to call her and, and she called Asiana. And uh, it, it seemed like somebody at Asiana had made the mistake the day that I checked in on, on leaving here in Seoul, on, on the 4th of April. Uh, when I checked in here, they canceled the return leg of my flight. So, But that's a side issue. When I finally arrived here, much later in the evening, back to Incheon Airport, I was taken aside for seemingly random uh, customs uh, inspection and all of my uh, the books that I bought in uh, in North Korea uh, including some um, uh, a, a dictionary that was actually published in China but you know it's uh, the same kind of uh, yeah. Korean as used in North Korea um, some women's sanitary items that I'd bought after my uh, pan- uh, my interview with Teodora Gyubchunova of NKDB I thought I'll, I'll get some of these and, and give them to NKDB as a sort of a research yeah. tool um, some snacks that I'd bought some sesame snacks and alcohol Everything was taken. Mm. Uh, and then I had a meeting for about an hour, uh, questioning by um, uh, new acquaintances from the National Intelligence Services, wow. uh, military intelligence, customs, and police. They all came down. You know, it was about 10.30 at night, but they all came down to the room that I was being held in and uh, questioned me about my, uh, the purpose of my trip to North Korea. Did I see anybody famous? Uh, I said, well, you know, I saw the British ambassador. I saw uh, Ambassador Colin Crooks up there because he ran the same race that yeah. I did. Uh, but they didn't seem to be interested in, in that. I think they only were interested in if I'd met, you know, Kim Jong-un or, or Che Ryong-hye or somebody like that. But obviously that's not the level that Very I'm working unusual. at. So. Yeah. 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 So they had a lot of questions. Then they said to me, uh, these are all banned items. Uh, you must apply for permission ahead of time to the Tongilbu, the Ministry yeah, yeah. of Unification. Here's a, a piece of paper with a number on it. You can, and, and here's an itemized list of all the things we've taken from you. If you want to try to get these items retrospectively, you can apply to this this office of the Minister of Unification, and we'll, you know, you'll see if you get it or not. 
this, of course, is probably under the 1949 um, National Security Law, which is still, you know, uh, 70 years on. It's still very much uh, in force here in, in South Korea. Uh, now, here's my little appeal to the South Korean government. I think, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that South Korea is a mature enough democracy now that it can afford to go the way of West Germany. In West Germany, you'll remember, people were allowed to uh, even subscribe to East German newspapers yeah. and have them delivered to their home. Very few people did because after the first few times of reading it, you realize there's no substance to yeah. this, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's really only interesting for research purposes. I don't think that most South Koreans are vulnerable to being turned into, uh, you know, uh, pro-North uh, Kim-loving communists. No, I think if most South Koreans were to receive the Rodong Shinman on a daily basis, they'd probably quickly come to the conclusion that it's uh, a load of rubbish. But um, <laughs> this brings up another thing that happened last week as well with you, with YouTube. Well, maybe while you were gone, ah. YouTube. Uh, terminated the account. I think I believe uh, one of the accounts is back, but YouTube terminated the accounts of uh, DPRK Today, Udimin Jokiri, mm. uh, a bunch of these, and some of these others that post videos from Korean Central Television from North Korea. Um, Interesting. Some yep. of these outer track websites that are still, you know, run by North Korean media affiliates. And so these all these accounts were taken down for legal purposes, quote unquote. I think. Was that like a copyright violation, or is that well, we else? just you know. This is. Let me appeal to Google. Mm. Um, you know, all we heard was it said legal complaint. We you know we've tried to get comment from Google about this. Absolutely nothing. Mm. Their their lips are completely sealed. Yeah. And so many of these resources, especially these YouTube channels, yeah. which maybe the videos might amass you know upwards of a hundred views. They're just there'll be little featurettes on North Korean shops. These videos are such a great tool for us and for other researchers mm. just to keep an eye on what's going on. Right. Um, it's so counterproductive for them to take it down, really. I mean, and any, you know, our theory was that it may be linked to these videos are produced by the North Korean propaganda apparatus. YouTube doesn't want to provide a platform for these, but come on, YouTube provides a platform for all sorts of uh, nefarious content. I think, um, you know, innocent. With, that gets higher views. It gets much higher views. Right. Um, you know, I think a little video about a North Korean supermarket is not going to turn anyone into a raging communist gee so yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's uh, that's off the web now huh? a lot of resources are gone yeah it's a great shame i mean yeah colin and i we have i have an extensive youtube playlist of little interesting things and now mm, i've got to go all, back and yeah whenever you've got out. notes about uh, all the things that are going on uh on a daily basis and you want to go back and see that one oh what's that that one supermarket what's the upgrades there and how is it affecting the lives of people in pyongyang i mean right. this, this is it's useful for for research of course and it doesn't give you the full the propaganda doesn't give you the full picture, of course, of what's happening in North Korea, but it's helpful. And uh, yeah, it's a shame. I guess it's a good argument for if you find a good video, download it while you can. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. But it's great, you know, because on YouTube, they've got all the titles and uh, all this, everything searchable and it uh, takes right. a lot of the work away from us. And then, uh, but I guess it goes to show, if it's out of, out of your hands, then it's going to happen. So I heard, Jacko, that yes. the attendance at the Pyongyang Marathon was very high this year, double what it was last year. Was that your impression? Well, no, I wasn't there last year. Uh, I was there two years ago. And for me, it felt similar to two years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't have exact numbers, but I would definitely say um, over a thousand um, amateur runners from various countries were there. Did you win? I came, I think it was around 179th close. in the uh, in the 10-kilometer walk. Yeah. Uh, some people chose to run. I chose to walk. And I, I did my walk in... Um, it was 10 kilometers in about 100 minutes. So uh, wow. one, 1K every 10, 
Yeah, one k every ten minutes walk. Yeah. So I, I feel happy with that. Yeah, no bad. I think I would walk too and just look around. Maybe just walk exactly. backwards and walk in circles, basically. Look around and, and you get a little chance to have sort of what I call micro interactions with mm. uh, Pyongyang people. I had one guy who uh, was running uh, close to my speed. Uh, he his goal was to do a hundred high fives with North Korean uh, people by the side of the road, and he said he, he stopped nice. counting at around two hundred. Wow. wow. You know? uh, yeah. So uh, cool. he, he was sort of. Trying to make friends where he could uh, at the level that it was uh, that we were able to. Right. Um, yeah, it was a lot of people there, and, and I don't think any major accidents happened. No, uh, nobody falling over and hurting their faces happened two years ago. So no one had to go to the hospital, as far as I'm aware. Oh wow! Knock on wood. Um, so yeah, it went quite well. Uh, UK ambassador, as I said, was there to yeah. participate too. Uh, now in the Yangokto Hotel where we stayed, uh, as reported here on NK News recently, there is now Wi-Fi. Uh, which caught me by surprise. Were you able to in connect your room? to it? No, not in the room. Uh, there is there are two basements in the Yangakta Hotel. One is the uh, Casino Pyongyang, mm-hmm. which is run by, I believe, Macau Chinese, and most of the customers are Chinese because all the the, the signs and a lot of the, the signs, staff, uh, the signs and the staff. Yeah. yeah, the North Koreans do not work down there. They don't go down there at all, as far as I'm aware. I never saw. As far as I understand, North, North Koreans aren't really allowed to gamble. That's right. So that's why that they yeah. don't even enter that floor. So it's. It's almost like a little uh, extraterritorial, mm. you know, like a concession. It's like a French concession back in yeah. Shanghai, you know. So uh, run by Chinese, for mainly Chinese. We went down there. We'd been told that there was a Wi-Fi connection. The, uh, the manager was very kind to, uh, to put the, uh, the password in my phone. I couldn't see what the password was, but he put it in my phone, and I was able to have Wi-Fi. Now, uh, having Chinese Wi-Fi in North Korea doesn't mean that you can get onto your Gmail, for example, or mm. Google anything, because there's still restrictions on certain sites, as there are in China. So I found that the Wi-Fi was patchy at best. So, for example, I was uh, accessing a Yahoo Mail through a browser, uh, and the first night it worked, uh, and I, I sent an email to my wife, and then the second night I sent an email to my wife, and she replied to it, and I could see that she replied to it, but I couldn't actually open that mail because it kept loading and loading and loading mm. and never giving me a result. WeChat wouldn't work the first two times, but on the last night that I was at Wednesday night, just before flying out, I went back down to the casino, and my wife and I were able to have an instant messaging conversation between Seoul and Pyongyang through WeChat, uh, thanks to the Wi-Fi. There you go. So the the, the Wi-Fi in the, the casino in the yep. basement of the Yangakdo Hotel is behind the Chinese firewall, and it's different from the internet that's usually pretty open that yeah, you're yeah. able to connect to in North Korea? Yeah, it does seem to be a kind of a behind the Chinese firewall. At least that's my unexpert opinion, mm. based on what I uh, experienced there. And I, I do think it won't last long. I was talking to one of my fellow uh, tourists there, and we, we believe that, yeah, once... You have a stream of people going there saying, what's the Wi-Fi password? Either the casino will shut it down or the hotel will tell the casino to shut it down. So yeah. I don't think that Wi-Fi is going to last for very long. Did you uh, did you u- utilize the services of the casino? No. Um, we, I was there with a person who was willing to gamble, but they had trouble. Uh, he was trying to um, exchange 20 euro for, for chips, mm. uh, and euro was not the most welcome currency there. And they looked a bit you know, perplexed what we do did with they, this. They wanted RMB then? Uh, that was the most welcome currency, yeah. yeah. So in the end, we just sat down on the, on the sofa and, and did no gambling at all. And no one came to harass us, I mean, which is nice of them. Let's just but use it as a lounge. And just use it as a lounge. And, you know, we, what, we, what kind of games are available? Uh, there's blackjack and there are other games that I did not recognize. I think it was one of them was described to me as a simplified version of blackjack in which you don't actually have any cards, but there are some plastic chips. Mm. And one guy was, uh, one, one Chinese fellow was doing, he was gambling with a phone on a tripod next to him and somebody was on that, like a FaceTime kind of thing. So there was somebody remotely watching and interacting in wow. the game at the table. It was, it was an odd experience. Huh. 
Did you hear at all from the North Koreans about this Mirai Wi-Fi connection that they can supposedly get now? No. It's like an app that you can download on your phone. I mean, Colin's the expert on the Mirai. Um, well, it it's just probably, from what I can tell, it's they offer Wi-Fi at these sci-tech complexes and uh, library-type places just to allow people to download stuff on their phones. Hmm. Um, I, I really don't think it's maybe they, they, they aired a video on KCTV and I couldn't actually go back and find it because my link was broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they aired a video that I remember last year sometime where they've they've got these uh, like little Wi-Fi towers set up on um, maybe mm-hmm. Ramyung Street. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think this, this is all just local stuff, just mm-hmm. Wi-Fi for people with privileged access. I did notice that in the People's Grand Study House uh, that there was a Wi-Fi network there on the ground floor with a mm. name. The name was something like uh, Lucas, but it wasn't Lucas. It was another name. Lucas is Idiot. And I can't remember what the exact name was. It was a, like a, an Eastern European sounding name. Uh, someone is Idiot. And that was the name of the network uh, at the Grand People's Study House. It was password protected, so I couldn't... Uh, was it like a hotspot? Someone had... Well, you wonder. It, perhaps it was. Perhaps somebody. Perhaps a foreign person who's living there has right. uh, has his own three um, G connection yeah. through uh, Cordialink uh, and was giving a, a, a hotspot. Well, in theory, oh, you can't. You're not supposed to use Cordialink for um, hotspot tethering. It, it doesn't. I, because when I was there and I had the Cordialink, I tried and ah. it didn't work. So oh. maybe maybe you can use that now. Um, Interesting. Yeah. We uh, yeah during our trip we stayed at two other hotels. We stayed at the Jiang Susan Hotel um, mm-hmm. in uh, Pyongsong, which is not a very I think the word is lugubrious. It's mm. not the most lugubrious of hotels. The uh, the carpet's been changed a bit, and uh, the service is um, uh, a little bit. Uh, uh, they could do with some retraining. But the one saving grace of that hotel is the barman, who I'm told is the best barman in all of North Korea. He's very, very uh, passionate and very um, meticulous in the mixing of his cocktails. So, yeah. uh, and his English is also very good, and he has some. Uh, some good back and forth with the customers. So I think if, if the sooner they make him the manager of that hotel, the better. It'll, it'll do well. Uh, Pyongsong, I saw, I, I know that uh, there's been reported on NK News that they've got those little red snub-backed uh, taxis with mm. the um, solar panel on top of them. Uh, and I believe that they're two-stroke engines because you can really hear yeah. uh, kind of the hype you know, as they're going past. Now, I lost count of how many of those red taxis wow. I saw. Them. Over 100 easily. Uh, seemingly at all times of day and night going past so it's uh, with customers inside well yes not at all times but yes and so it seems to be a very active city Gongsong did you you get the impression that a lot of people were using the taxis because when I was in Pyongyang last year all of the taxis I saw just said Pinja like right available so i didn't get the impression that anyone apart from foreigners were really using them no in pyongsong i don't know any foreigners that are allowed to be there except mm. for the tourists and we can't touch the taxis yeah. but they were being used by foreigners for, uh, by, by locals for sure wow yeah, yeah. Uh, we had one experience uh, my my fellow tourist and i we went to um uh inside the compound of the uh, changsusan hotel there are two restaurants that are outside the hotel but inside the compound if you know what i mean so there's a Minjok Shikdang on the left mm. and there's a Bulgogi Shikdang on the right. Now, we weren't that um, blown away by the meal that we had with uh, all the other tourists in the restaurant. So he and I decided, let's sneak away and go, not sneak, let's just walk outside the front of the hotel, turn right and go to the Bulgogi uh, restaurant, which mm. is, you know, we're allowed to be there in theory. It's yeah. within the compound. We went there. The, uh, the waitress didn't bat an eyelid. She uh, sat us down and gave us a menu, which was uh, all in Korean, Korean prices only. 
but within the, while we were there, three people, I call them the three musketeers, they came in one by one. First of all, there was the hotel doorman came in to see, uh, and then he sent in one of the other guides who uh, was a guide from a different group, so not my guide, but he came in asking us who we were and you know, what we were doing there. Uh, and uh, and then he left, and then my guide came in, uh, and he was um, gave you a telling off. No, uh, I, I came back from the uh, the restroom to find him uh, seemingly telling off the waitress, giving her a a, a dressing down or at least a, a stern lecture or something in a corner. And then he turned around and came to us and says, "Yeah, I just told her to give you the best service possible." And then he <laughs> left. So yeah, it was. And classic. you ate, and you ate, you got served. Well, we we did get, we did yeah. not get chased out of there. We did ah. get served. Yeah. How was it? Uh, it was better than the the earlier meal that we'd had. So it was. Yeah, well, if it's within the compound, then what was the I know. about? Well, uh, he's here's the thing. I talked to my guide about this late on a different day, and he, uh, he I don't think the concept of rustic charm exists in North Korea, right? That uh, in North Korea, if it's not the newest, if it's not the shiniest, if it's not the best, then you don't want to show this to foreigners. Yeah. So he did not understand why we were happy in that restaurant and mm-hmm. why we wanted to be there at you know a place that as he in his uh, words uh, was not fit for uh, for tourists oh, that was so, so concerning so that concept of rustic charm doesn't exist yet maybe someone needs to go maybe Chosen Exchange could go and do a bit of training and uh, convince North Koreans that you know foreigners like to see what what the local people do and eat right. and, and enjoy sometimes so that was fun I also saw a kind of a lottery mm. uh, in North mm. Korea uh, the day of the marathon outside the uh, the stadium there was a, a, t- a very small booth with a woman sitting inside selling cigarettes and lottery tickets. And there was a, a little poster on the side of the booth showing, here are the prizes you can win. You could, I think it was an TVs, air conditioner unit, a TV, yeah. etc. Yeah. And the lottery was um, connected to a bunch of football matches that were being held around the Day of the Sun, which right. is, of course, today. Uh, so on the 25th of this month, uh, those lottery tickets uh, will be drawn and the prize will be announced. So I couldn't, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be there for the uh, for the the draw so i bought a ticket each for both oh, of my guys you, you bought it wow uh, with local currency and i gave it to my guys so it was uh, were they all right with you using the local currency uh, on that day only yeah yeah um hmm. it, it's a gray area it's funny because I'm, I'm told that technically we might not even supposed to be outside the stadium after the marathon but we but nobody ushered us away yeah um you know, and, and so i paid for a cup i paid for a beer in 10 euro i was handed local currency back but indirectly through a guide who was with me. Mm. So the guide said, look, there's a policeman over there. Why don't you go and stand over there? I'll get the money and I'll give it to you. So they're quite aware of the situation while it's going on. It seems to be an area that, that can be uh, winked at a little bit, yeah. yeah. Did you see any uh, construction updates going on in Pyongyang? Uh, yeah, the uh, right next to the stadium there, the Kherson uh, station is under reconstruction. Right. Um, we were only able to use one station on the Pyongyang metro line because uh, we were supposed to get off at Kherson. But so, it's, yeah, yeah as so. NK News reported last week. Right. Um, it's got that, the facade is now being upgraded and it's got these this kind of silver and orange paneling, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you what do you make of this? It looks the same as that uh, new department store that Kim Jong-un visited a couple of weeks ago. And it's this, to me, it reminds me of South Korean style uh, buildings, but ah, that's just me. That's it. I hadn't thought of that. But I certainly did see a lot of buildings that uh, have a flashier external, mm. you know, certainly the Ryomyong Street and the Mirror Street as well. Uh, that new fish restaurant that we were told, uh, for example, we drove past a fish well, restaurant. Where President Moon ate. Uh, or as my guide said, where Mr. Moon uh, went with <laughs> Chairman Kim uh, for a meal when yeah. he was here. Uh, yeah. Now, the, the chief executive of the, of the Southern Puppet State. Well, they, they didn't use terms like that, uh, nor did they. Um, I don't think it was mentioned that President Moon gave a speech in that stadium mm. that we ran. 
Wait, which? It was, was it? May Day Stadium. Okay, so it was not the stadium that we yeah. ran the marathon from here. Yeah. But that that was uh, that was not mentioned. So they really weren't talking much about South Korea at all. Mm. Yeah, okay, so uh, today is the day of the sun, April 15th, the birthday of uh, Kim Il-sung. This year, well, he's born in 1911. Uh, what can we expect? Uh, there's always the question about military parades, yes or no. What, does it usually happen on the on the day of the sun or not? Two, what was it, two years ago there was one on the day of the sun, is that correct? Yeah, I was there. Right, uh, right, yeah. Uh-huh. A big international media, con- yeah. Uh, so, but this year, there, was, there were large mass rallies in Pyongyang over the weekend to celebrate the... Uh, election of Kim Jong Un to the to the SAC, right? And uh, but I don't know about today. We as, well, as far as we you know, CSIS put out a thing last week suggesting that there were maybe preparations for a military parade going on. All right. So um, yeah. So CSIS posted um, some satellite imagery of the Mirim over by the the horse race track. Oh right. Uh, down in southeast Pyongyang, and um, they seem to think that because there's some trucks there at that place, which we usually see before a military parade, that there mm-hmm. could be a military parade today. But uh, it's my guess that that the preparations weren't done far enough in advance. They usually start about two months mm-hmm. or uh, about nine weeks in advance of a military parade. So I don't think that uh, we'll be seeing one today. We've had false warnings like this before, or false mm-hmm. alarms before, like like this, haven't we? Yeah, and it would be unusual for them to do a military parade today because, as you as we say, it's 108th. It's not a you know, they normally do it on five or ten, right? Um, and also, you know, it would be provocative. Yeah, really, and diplomats it. weren't be weren't given uh, invitations Dipl- to. I mean, they could not. They might just not yeah. uh, invite these people to do one. But um, in any case, when the podcast goes out, we'll know if one's yeah. happened anyway. So <laughs> um, we're wrong or not. Better hedge our bets and say it could happen. Oh, right. something I wanted to uh, to mention. Uh, you mentioned outer track before, Colin, and that of course brings up the old uh, mm. di- the difference between inner track propaganda and outer track propaganda. Uh, I saw a brand new 2019 edition of the 10 Principles for Establishing a Monolithic yeah. Ideology uh, or Monolithic Leadership. Mono- uh, monolithic Ideological System. Thank you. It is a long one to remember. Yeah. It's also very long to remember in Korean. Uh, I just call it the uh, ship there one chick because that's the last word, the, mm-hmm. the 10 big principles in Korean. Uh, so we saw one printed <laughs> this year, 2019. I yeah. guess it's uh, uh, perhaps there's some updated text because I know they have updated the text of it before. Yeah. Did you um, purchase I, these and then they well, were confiscated? I, I specifically asked my North Korean guides, where can I buy a copy of this book? And I was told by three guides, uh, this is not a book that's available to foreigners. Mm. Well, maybe you can ask some of these, uh, the Juche Friendship Group people, maybe even they're not allowed? Well, if they, yeah. I imagine the Juche Friendship uh, Societies in other countries only get um, uh, translated copies of Troy's a couple of years behind right oh, so yeah. i don't imagine they would have a brand new korean edition just published this year did you manage to give it a little peruse no it was uh, it, it we were in an artist's studio mm. and it wasn't the right time or place to work uh, i mean I, I literally i could just see it i could barely contain my excitement this is interesting because i'd been told or i'd been led to believe that they weren't available in printed editions that it yeah. was something that north koreans would memorize and that was it but yes, yeah, so here it was in a 2019 edition. I've since discovered that it was also published in 2013 mm. in a small pocket-sized you know, edition, uh, which, again, led, leads me to wonder, is this an updated text? Right. So I asked my guide, uh, one of them, uh, why is this not available to foreigners? And he said, uh, I need some time to think. So I think I asked him again later that day or the next day, and he said, you know, if you're a Korean and if you believe in Juche ideology and if you think as we do, then you know, this becomes available to you. But otherwise, no. Uh, which you know, it's I not think, meant for convincing. It's just meant for right. reinforcing. 
Exactly. And it's not. And he asked me why I was so curious. And I said, because, you know, I want to understand. I want to understand the system. I want to understand how the people here think. Because clearly this is a, a foundational document, right? Yeah. It's important to everyone. Everyone has to memorize it. Uh, but, yeah, no, not available to foreigners. So that's, uh, you know, there's a, a challenge to anybody going there in future. Do try to get a, a copy of the 2019 uh, 10 Great Principles and, and see if there's anything new in there uh, and share it with us here at NK News. Absolutely. Great. Well, uh, I think that probably brings us up to the end of the podcast for today. Unless there are any, have I missed anything? I think we've covered all the bases. All the major bases. All right, then we, uh, uh, we're going to sign off for today. Don't forget, listeners, that uh, one lucky listener will get a free year's subscription to nknews.org just by leaving a review on iTunes or uh, one of the other uh, platforms uh, where we have our podcast. And uh, you can get a $50 discount off your NK News subscription by using the code podcast at the checkout. And to uh, Tommy Elbu, please free Jacko's merch. Yes, please give me back my uh, sesame snaps and alcohol at least so that we can enjoy them here at the NK News office during the next podcast recording. (laughs) All right, thanks again today to Oliver and Colin for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. And listen again next time.